1: Today's episode of the Nailer 9 podcast is brought to you by OneSonic. OneSonic are an Irish-based audio tech brand who make great earphones and headphones. OneSonic have just released their wireless noise cancelling earbuds, the MXSHD1. And I've been using them on my morning runs and for work and their class. They're very comfortable, they come with a compact wireless charging case so you can roam around. It gives you 20 hours listening time. If you want to try out the OneSonic Wireless Earbuds yourself, use the code NILER15 for 15% off at onesonic.com. That's OneSonic.com.
3: And welcome to the Nile Nine Podcast with me, Andrea Cleary, and Niall Byrne, who has a little bit of a cold.
1: Hi, how's it going?
3: Hi. Yeah, I my the voice has been cracking because, all week. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's not the thing, which is good.
1: No, yeah, it's not the thing. I did an answering test today again, yeah. just to check because it was getting worse.
0: Yeah. But I'm fine. I'm fine.
1: Way. I'm here. I'm here. And I'm you ready are here. to talk about uh you know, a little known band, four letter word, little known four letter word band, you know. Very no excited deal.
3: to talk about Wham! today uh, <laughs> in our Wham! special. Uh, I'd also like to to introduce um, our special guest, the guy who's blowing the leaf blower outside my window. Uh, you will be hearing from him um, at certain points during the episode so do bear with him. It's his first time on a podcast.
1: Yeah, but um, it, actually it's not. I think he may, he may have been there last week for some he reason. He might have been
3: there last week. He decides
1: week. to record. <laughs> he's time, he decides to blow his leaf when we decide to record <laughs> yeah. our podcast. So uh, I, I look go. out
3: the window at him sometimes and he he genuinely looks <laughs> delighted to be blowing the leaves. So, you know, I can't right. take that away from him. But where do you blow
1: leaves to? Like, what's the point? You're just blown away from yours. It's like get. A, it's like NIMBYism. Is that, what it, <laughs> is that what leaf blowing is? It's like the ultimate, <laughs> I, like, get out of my garden. You can go yeah. somewhere else. That's literally.
3: Get out of that garden. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, from what I can see, he blows them all into one big pile. This is very working from home energy, like just me looking out the window, <laughs> avoiding work. But yeah, he blows them all into one big pile and then the pile is then removed. Um, and this is, this is an apartment block. So he's like employed by the landlord agency people or whatever. And I, I don't think any of us want this. Like we no. don't like what we're, we're happy he's here, but. The, you know, the leaves
1: are a scourge on I, our nation. I like the nation. leaves. They're a scourge. I like the leaves. You're, I like the vibe. Sad autumn girl would really like to the leaves to stay.
3: I know. I know. <laughs> I I put up a photo yesterday of um a piece of popcorn I found in my pocket. Um and
1: it, we're we're riveting people. It was just... <laughs> with our conversations today. I know, <laughs>
3: but but I took it like around all these leaves. Um. Uh, the, the photo, I mean, and I got two separate messages about it. The first was uh, a friend who said he didn't have his glasses on when he first saw the photo and he thought it was an engagement photo because it was like my hand oh, with right, popcorn okay, yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. And my other friend, friend of the show, Carlo, um, texted to say that he thought I was holding a human tooth. So that was, Sound. yeah, that's my cool anecdote of the Oh, week. You're too but anyway, oh yeah, weird. Okay. <laughs> We're not here to talk about Teeth, we're here to talk about ABBA and ABBA Voyage, which was released last Friday. I'm sure everybody's had a chance to listen to it. Um, to kind of strange reviews. Um, and what Niall and I want to talk about today is why is it so difficult to review ABBA Voyage? Because
1: yeah, over I and did-
3: over in all these reviews, there there just seems to be... Something that we can't really get past as reviewers and whether that's legacy, whether it's ABBA Gold, whatever it is, we're going to try and get to talk about yeah. today.
1: It's uh, the ABBA album, um, which just comes 40 years after the last one. It is comes with a lot of weight, comes out of baggage, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, you know, I mean, it's their ninth studio album, but yeah, you could argue that maybe we never even needed it. Um, and that is a fair argument to make, perhaps, because mm. you know ABBA have done all they need to do in in for popular music, um, and you know obviously it ties in with the voyage thing that they're doing next year. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a a live show with live musicians playing ABBA songs and like playing the backing tracks, but the vocals will be recorded, pre-recorded, like ABBA. Um, so, they'll be using some avatars. So, I don't know, if it's not like a 3D thing exactly. Mm. It's not like the two the pack yoke from a couple of years ago. It's more like sc- probably more obvious screens, I would imagine. I don't know, mm. really know. I don't think they're going to be moving around much or like anything. But what I do know is that the band features uh, some musicians that you may know, including um, Little Boots. Remember Little Boots?
3: I do remember Little Boots. I didn't know that Little Boots was involved with this. Yeah.
1: Well, she's in the uh, ABBA uh, live band. She said it's badass cool because people talk like that still, apparently. Um, but on, who else <laughs> but is Little in Boots it? is um, our
3: age, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I know. I know. They, you shouldn't be using them, those words. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but there's 10 musicians in the in the group, including um, the former singer of the Claxons, James Wrighton. So there That's you go. That's true. Um, you know, I mean, no one knew this was going to happen, but there you go. That's this is. Uh, so they're happening all next year, basically from I think it's May onwards. Um, and they're I think they're right up to Christmas now. I'm going to go in July, I believe. And I this think, is there's no
3: July. Irish date for this. You're going to no,
1: London, it all happens in London. Yeah, it's in the Abba, like um, I don't know. It's basically the like a big arena, and uh, that's where it happens. And and there's like matinee shows and all this kind of stuff like it happens every week it happens monday thursday friday matinee saturday sunday and uh yeah late shows as well so it's just it's an interesting thing because it's obviously like the album is released to coincide with the live show really so it's essentially a piece of content that associates with the abba voyage thing that happens next year the live Mm -hmm. shows running from may to december so i guess in that way it's kind of like you could argue that you maybe don't need any album but Mm -hmm. you know i mean i think i think i've been vacillating between the two in the last week since the album came out i'm like some days I really really enjoy it and some days I'm really like oh, what is this? Mm. <laughs> and I think that's what the crux is. I think it's like it's trying to explain trying to trying to listen to something with a completely separate sensibility than something you normally listen to. It's like listening to musical theater. If you don't listen to musical theater yeah. you're like you're like locked into a very different type of um vernacular that suddenly is very feels very different and uh yeah very present maybe in terms of um emotion and melancholy and all the kind of things that Mm -hmm. i have always tapped into but um yeah i don't know maybe it's it's and obviously you know we're talking about a band that was used as the basis for two of the biggest um certainly one of the biggest um music films of the last uh, musical films of the last um 30 years with mamma mia and um
0: so yeah i think there's a lot
1: there there's a lot there in terms of like ABBA never really gone away, and then we we did a we did an L special before about ABBA where we just had a bit of fun and we we basically picked out our favorite bits in terms of ABBA songs. Hmm. So that's from August 2018. You can go back and listen to that. We did that uh, a long time ago now, um, but that was a lot of fun. So
3: yeah, I think on on the day that ABBA released Voyage, I tweeted that reviews should consider first and foremost that ABBA owes nothing. Um, And I still kind of maintain that now. And since then, I've I've been thinking about what I kind of mean by that. Um, And I've been framing it with the um, with the upcoming release of the Beatles documentary Get Back and thinking about the musical careers of uh, Paul McCartney and George Harrison and just thinking like, like, does Paul McCartney owe us anything? No, of course not. But would I approach a review of a new Paul McCartney work in more critically than I would ABBA. Yes, I definitely would. Um, and there was uh, Ben Cardew in, in his review for Pitchfork uh, wrote the stakes for the band's comeback with Voyage is both impossibly high and curiously low. And I think that sums it up really well because like you said, time is a factor. It has been 40 years since ABBA last released music. I was born nine years after that um, into a world and a family where ABBA was used to kind of explain the language of music, to explain the language of pop music to me. Like not explicitly, but the language of ABBA was kind of spoken by everybody I knew. And I don't know about you, but it was never at any point in my life uncool to like ABBA in in ways where it might've been a bit uncool to like, I don't know, like Paul McCartney's solo work for a while or, or whatever it is, you know. It was always cool to like ABBA. And I think There was always an understanding that ABBA changed pop music and reinvented the wheel, but did so unlike Paul McCartney and unlike even somebody like Michael Jackson, without kind of, you know, trying to introduce chart sensibilities to their music. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important aspect. Like, so the Beatles, if you were to continue that comparison, was a band that changed with the times and kind of bowed out when the time was right. And their surviving members have gone on to release work. Some of it has been brilliant, some of it not so brilliant, which doesn't detract from the magic of the Beatles, but it at least contextualizes the band as a band and the magic that they had together. So we've kind of seen members of the Beatles like make mistakes. We've even seen the Beatles make mistakes, but ABBA, at least in our memory, have never really put a foot wrong. And I think that that kind of how we approach ABBA as this kind of sacred thing because of various influences like our our own nostalgia, our parents' nostalgia for this band. I think really kind of, you have to take that into account when you're listening to new ABBA music, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what you say there about, um, you know, ABBA and everybody being not cool. Um, mm-hmm. I guess for me, I was like, you know, I wouldn't have admitted to like an ABBA. I wouldn't really, wasn't really interested in that when I was younger. But like, Mm. I think everyone understood intrinsically that they were a very good band. And it's interesting the ABBA uh, Beatles comparison because you're essentially talking about the same amount of time almost Mm. for those two bands who exist like seven or eight years um, in terms of their career and discography, their main discography to work. And um, so there is, obviously, uh, the Beatles wrote a lot more albums and were very prolific in those terms. But, you know, I mean, you know, there is an argument here that, you know, ABBA Gold is arguably the only album you'll ever need from ABBA because that collects all their best songs. There is an a- argument that ABBA aren't even an album band. And then you mm. don't even really need to go and listen to their albums, which often had some fairly dodgy tunes on them, to be honest. Like they did have some dodgy yeah. tunes on them. Well, that's okay as well. You know, I mean, I yeah, think, think
3: time- a- 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 Gold is a very interesting thing to talk about here. I mean, like, so for, for context, a- a- Abigold second highest selling album of all time in the UK after Queen's greatest hits five times platinum in Germany. This, this is a greatest hits compilation, five yeah. times platinum in Germany, 10 times platinum in Switzerland, in Austria, it charted for 397 weeks, which is the second longest day in the chart uh it returned to the top 10 three times and tw- two of those times were in the ra- in the wake of the releases of Mama Mia and Mama Mia here we go again um because of a special edition that was released and you know that that album is such a huge part of our cultural understanding of the band i can't really think of any other greatest hits compilations that have had the impact of abba gold which is a compilation album that doesn't signal like a lack of knowledge about a band whereas like You know, if you're a teenager and someone does that thing of like, oh, well, what's your favorite album from the band or whatever? And you're talking about like Led Zeppelin or Metallica or whatever. And you say, oh, well, I just have the greatest hits. That's kind of seen as you not being a big enough fan of the band. But uh, Abba Gold never really like has that problem because Abba Gold is not just a collection of the best ABBA songs, like this is a collection of the best songs, full stop. Like these are, these are some of the best pop songs ever written. And it's a phenomenon, like it brought the band back into the conversation after they had a bit of a dip in the 1980s. It was released in, I think, 1992 uh, first and is generally, like you said, considered the only ABBA album that you need. Like uh, the Buzzfeed music editor, um, Matthew Perp perpetua um says that it's so well curated in presenting a fertile period of a career that it is arguably the artist's definitive work and i don't know any other i mean maybe maybe queen would be a good a good comparison there like i i don't i also don't think that queen is a Mm. is an albums band um and you could probably get everything you needed from the queen greatest hits yeah but you know yeah like it's it's never, it's never left the conversation and like pop fans will always love ABBA. People who love songwriting will always love ABBA. You know, uh, queer communities love ABBA. Dance DJs like yourself love ABBA. Hip hop artists love ABBA. Like the reach is so far and it's all down to the strength of that songwriting. So I think it does make sense that having a, a compilation like ABBA Gold have the reach that it did it it's sort of not framing it as like these are the best ABBA songs but more like here here's a collection of some of the best songs that have ever been written but this collection only includes the ABBA ones. <laughs> Do you
0: know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I think I'm just trying to think of like other greatest hits albums that might, um, you know, been in the conversation and the only ones mm-hmm. I can, that wouldn't even be as impactful, but thinking of the Beatles ones, the night, you know, the red and the green ones, mm-hmm. um, 1962 to 66 and then 67 to 70. That's, uh, I think with them, though, that's a collection of songs as and, opposed um, to a collection and the Beatles, of singles. They
3: have like the, the Beatles have loads of different yeah. collections uh whereas ABBA like gold is is the only one and it's the definitive one it is the gold um, standard of the gold of standard
1: great its yeah yeah absolutely and the
3: gold standard of of what what to do when you want to release a, a compilation album um oh, only include the best ones but there's like 20 something songs on ABBA gold isn't there 21 or 22 songs on ABBA gold there's been 19, a few different yeah. Re- yeah there's been a few different releases over the years where songs have been kind of put on and taken off it or there'd be like the Swedish versions of, of of some of the songs on some versions of the record and not on others. But, you know, it's interesting because ABBA, uh, ABBA have had eight studio albums before Voyage and all of them have hits on them. Um, so we can't say that as a band, e- even though we don't really consider ABBA to be an albums band, we can't say that they haven't made great albums. Like the unreleased tracks on Super Trooper, The Visitors and Arrival are all fantastic. And I think by any measure, those are great albums. But we don't speak about them as an albums band. And I think that's why it's so strange to try and start doing that now with Voyage. And I think that that's where the disconnect comes from some of the reviews I've read um, of Voyage. People are approaching it like an album. And yes, it is an album in 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 the technical sense of the word. But li- like you said, it's, it's something that is pointing to this bigger ABBA comeback extravaganza. But it's also about nostalgia and about getting older. Um, and I think those those are things that they do very well on the album. But looking at it as an album in the same way that we look at like the new snail mail album or whatever. Or like a new you, like <laughs> yeah. it just it just the feels Mi- weird. The
1: album, forthcoming. Or the Mitski yeah. album. Like that. <laughs> like
3: we're we're absolutely going to be approaching the Mitski album as an album. But with ABBA it feels it just feels strange to do that because we've never, as in critics our age, have never done that
1: before. Um, yeah, is it like music, musically and contextually, where it's been beamed in from the past? Like it's 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 beamed mm. in as an album that was just kind of like it's not a great fanfare kind of thing. It's just like oh, the latest album's out. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, which is so funny because and- you know
3: it's it's their first in forty years, and I and I do think that the The excitement was certainly there, but I don't know that the expectation was there from a lot of people. It was this, this is, this is very much a nice to have, but completely unnecessary. ABBA would have sold out those London shows 10 times over if they didn't release Voyage. It doesn't matter. And it's charting, like it's doing, it's doing very well. ABBA are back in the charts, which, which is great. But I don't know. Beyond maybe two songs, I don't know how many people are actually going to go to this voyage thing excited to hear this album. You know, you you, you yeah. want to go and you want to hear the hits. And that's fine. That's fair.
1: Absolutely fair. That's yeah. Fair, I think you'd be you a know. bit like, I'd say obviously because the album's called Voyage and the show's called Voyage, a few of these songs will definitely make it to the show. Oh, 100%. And if, that's, if it's a two hour show or whatever it is, you're like fine. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? You'll be absolutely round with that. And uh, I have my choices, uh, which ones I'd like to hear if I, if and when I, I get I, to I do have it, a well, feeling we're, we're probably going to
3: be in agreement.
1: Um, yeah. We can we can them. we can discuss that at the end as well, but um, yeah. Should we should we delve into the actual album then and try and kind of make sense of it in terms of a track by track, or how do you want to do it?
3: Um, give give me your thoughts about the album overall.
1: Okay, so I mean, and it, and it really does feel like um, I'm basically the only way I can really make sense of this album is say there's ten tracks on it. And I like, <laughs> you know, Do I you really Do you want to go
3: like, track by tra- track? Would you prefer to go track by track?
1: I don't think it really matters. Um, okay. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I can go track by track because like. Yeah. We can talk about the tracks individually, I think. You know, still have Faith in you is the opening track. It's the one that, you know, it was released at the same time as uh, Don't Shut Me Down. Mm-hmm. And it's a really lovely opener. It's like it got the stirring strings and piano. It's. Agnita and Frida uh, really give the tune its kind of heart because it's it's almost like the justification the song is about the justification of coming back and restarting after 40 years it kind of mm. reads like that and again I'm in like the the melancholy that's always uh, below the surface and I was very much present in the lyrics here do I have it in me. I believe it's in there From for I know I hear a bittersweet song in the memories we share. So it's all very like, you know, it's... Oh, when
3: she sings, do I have it in me? I'm like, yeah. yes, you do. you do. You can do anything.
1: <laughs> and it is a great, uh, it's a really good album opener for, you know, for a band to come back 40 years later and mm. do something like that. I'm like, that's great. That's just really yeah. lovely to hear. And I think overall, I mean, it's probably worth mentioning, you know, like the album doesn't try... Too hard to like fit itself into 2021 in any way. No. there's very few sounds here that are like, Oh, well, they tried to do something or they tried to acknowledge the passing of time.
0: Yeah, but
1: the way that they not uh, passing of time is actually acknowledged is, is through the voices of Ignita and Frida, like because yeah. you can hear them a bit older and and in the lyrics as well. If you talk about like there's songs, there's a lot of songs here about familial strife and relationships, marriage and and divorce, yeah. of course. Um, there's a lot of so, kind
3: of ballads. Like the, the, a, a yeah. lot of the lyrics on this would, I, I think would fit really well with like folk and country music.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting you say the country thing, because, mm. you know, that's essentially what I can be that woman, which is, I don't think it's a great song. It's fairly maudlin, but uh, Bjorn um, says it's a country song in essence. And as a little gesture to the queen of country, as far as I'm concerned, Tammy Wynette. The dog is called Tammy. In it, the um, last stuff going that song, but it's basically <laughs> about someone who has come down went. from an addiction and finally come down into real life. And it's sorry about all the wasted years. So when I read that back, I was like, because I thought, you know, I I did see some lyrics that said, you know, oh, it was problematic that, um, you know, I can be that woman is like a woman saying she can change for her man, but actually, it's the woman who's the addict here and is the one who's who's saying that she needs to change in order to be a better person. Mm. Um, so that was kind of interesting. as well, But I think overall, it's not a great song. So there's a few bad songs in this, I have to say. Like, I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like that is one of them. The Bumblebee song um, isn't great. A very ham-fisted climate change song. It's musically a bit Enya, to be honest. But it's yeah. it's just the, the lyrics are, you know, it's like you could just imagine... Uh, bjorn sitting in his fancy backyard and writing about a song about a bumblebee and you're like all right lads that's enough <laughs> yeah just put the guitar away you know or <laughs> yeah i don't, <laughs> I like don't think
3: abba have ever been um the voice of like social justice causes you know like they they write about heartbreak very very well yeah um, in all its guises, not just in love, but in all all different kinds of heartbreak, and I think that that's why the songs on this album that deal with having your heart broken, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's through old friendships or family issues, they're the songs that work better. Whereas when they try to kind of make a state of the nation address on climate change, like it's hardly surprising that it doesn't work because that's yeah. not that's not what they do, you know. Um, they make. They're the originators of the sad banger. And that's what I came into this album wanting. And honestly, there's enough of them here for me to be happy with, you know.
1: Okay. But okay. Well, before you talk about what which ones you really like, what do you think of uh, track two when you danced with me? Because <laughs> I mean, it's it is it probably uh, like sound wise, sonic wise, it's probably the most divisive thing on it because it's yeah. it's got that bagpipe synth thing that's kind of, Sometimes, honestly, it depends what mood I'm in. Sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. that's class. And other times I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> and so I just mm-hmm. don't know.
3: Well, will we will we take a listen to it?
1: Okay, let's listen to let's uh, go. When You Danced With Me. Okay, that was Abba when you Dance with me. Um, obviously, uh, the big, big Irish, uh, context for that song is that, uh, they mentioned good Kenny. And if you want to know what that's about, well, Bjorn was, uh, Bjorn, now 76, according to a news article that I read about this. Uh, we had the quote was all sent around this week, uh, for anyone, uh, from the Irish media about this. Uh, I remember when I visited Kilkenny. Uh, basically, Bjorn and his wife went to, uh, drove around Ireland from coast from Limerick to Dublin, uh, in the 90s and stopped at Kilkenny. And it was beautiful and very romantic, he taught. Oh. Castles, churches, and the surroundings. County Kilkenny with his little charming villages. Hey, Kilkenny is a city, man. Come on. Uh, Niall, Everyone's okay, very upset I've, with you.
3: <laughs> my old housemate Ian is from Kilkenny. This is, this is a side note, right? My old housemate Ian is from Kilkenny and all of our friendship group just like continuously refer to Kilkenny as like, oh, it's a lovely town and it's quite yeah. a big town, you know, and he <laughs> hates it. And recently I I found out from someone on Twitter that Kilkenny is the only county in Ireland that doesn't have a Tesco, right? So you can imagine <laughs> the absolute abuse he got in the WhatsApp group about that. Doesn't have a Tesco. The whole so maybe that that feeds into Bjorn's provincial kind of love.
1: Maybe. Um, well, he did say he drove through Cork, but as well, and there's an absolutely nothing wrong with that place, but try to replace Kilkenny with Cork in the song. It just didn't work. So it no, doesn't gonna work. So Kilkenny is, is more evocative mm. uh, lyrically. So uh, that's what So what's your feelings
3: there. on this song now?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I know. It's like, it's like... <laughs> I kind of like like it but I kind of hate it. I don't know. And I I think that, that's that kind of like explains mm. the album sometimes when you're like this is yeah. so ridiculous. But like Well,
3: let's dig into that because I think I think the reason that we might feel like we should hate it is because it is that kind of wild mountain time. Yeah. Like Irish kind pipes of pipes and accordions
1: and flutes pipes and, and
3: accordions and Galway things. girl is in like, there
1: somewhere, you know.
3: The time signature is very kind of you know you, you can imagine yourself it, with with a different rendition. It could be of this, a Cliff a Richard range. song. It could be it could be Westlife. It could but it it could also be something sung in the snug in the back of a pub, like in Galway, like late at night with a trad band just kind of singing an old tune. So. I, all I know is how I feel about the song. I don't know what kind of critical engagement I can give this song, but I know that when I listen to it, especially in the chorus, I'm like, this is lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very much in the minority there, but I don't, I, I can't really find a lot to hate about it because I think it comes from a really nice place. Like I think, I think it comes from them just wanting to celebrate like a little time they spent in Ireland, and that was lovely. And you know, yeah. they're not. They're also they're not Americans doing it. So that yeah, that's kinda, true. It
1: would be worse if it was American.
3: It, oh yeah, no, it, it would be unacceptable. <laughs> no offense to any were Americans, Americans. Listening, but yeah, it would it would be a completely different ball game if this was a a British band or like a, an English band or an American band or whatever. Maybe but it does not. feel like
1: that. Maybe it is like something that CoPlay might con- concoct someday. You know, it has that kind of vibe to it. You Do you know, think that's like it? That it's, that
3: it's that Abba by way of like the the sanitized Ireland that is often sort of
1: yeah maybe, through, maybe
3: like via America and then out again. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: where it's refracted into into American culture and then backwards or yes, exactly. you know maybe that's it what it that. is.
3: I just I I I mean, if it came on. You know, like we're gonna, we're both going to be down on other voices uh, at the end of this month. I've not really been out, and if if this came on of a night, <laughs> and you're you're DJing down there, so I'm not I'm not oh, trying to tell you how to do your job. Don't put words mile. in my mouth
1: about this <laughs> song, Jesus Christ! Wow, <laughs> I just think
3: that if you played this everyone would go mad. Like everyone would love it and they think it was gas. And I think that's it. I think the song is gas. And that's why I like it. I think it's, it's it's not a very, it's not an overly serious song. It's just a bit of crack. Like, and I think they've, they have that in it. And the whole, like when you dance with me, it does kind of hark to this kind of Irish, you know, there when, when you're walking with someone and you met at the dance, blah, blah, blah. And Ireland, Neither of us ever lived in, but one that I'm sort of interested in. You know, <laughs> kind of.
1: Yeah, it's exactly yeah. like that. It fits into Wild Mountain Time. One hundred percent, and, and, and I, things.
3: I loved every moment of watching Wild Mountain Time. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's just, it's, it's more like that sort of media is interesting for what it's not representing. Do you know what I mean? Or how, yeah. how, like the the difference between the Ireland that we know and the Ireland that we hear. Or see in that kind of thing, but I think there's such a disconnect that I don't actually find things like that offensive. Do you know what I mean? I'd love
1: to hear the Mary Wallopers do a version of this. Do you know?
3: I 100%. think I think they
1: could do it. I think they yeah. could do because it. it's a folk song. It is just a folk yeah. song, or at least only, admittedly, yeah, with a ridiculous <laughs> bagpipe cinty thing going on. Yeah, but you would uh, have to have so that there. which obviously leads us to the next track, which is uh, you know a very brave decision by. Yeah. Abba or Abba, as uh, I tried to listen to, um, you know the like on audiobooks, uh, they have those thirty three and a third books, and there's one about Abba yeah. Gold, mm. and uh, I tried to listen to it once, and the Americans often call uh, Abba Abba, and I was ABBA. like, no, nope, can't listen to this. And actually, there ABBA. is there is some uh, confusion about pronunciation of their names sometimes because the Swedish pronunciation can be a Swedish bit more like it. It. it can be a bit more like Abba, um, ABBA. but anyway, we say mm. it a different way. But it's just the ABBA. American. Yeah, this
3: House, we called them Abba.
1: That's what they're called. And uh, yeah, so it's just interesting. Like I went, I really wanted to listen to it because I actually just should buy the book and read it. But because uh, it's like, again, you're talking about the status of that album as a greatest hits. You don't write 33 and third books about the fucking greatest hits of a band. You don't.
3: I know, I know. But there, somebody right, has written it. one. So yeah, I, I mean, think that's El- really interesting. Elvis Costello had uh, Abba Gold on his, like. I think he did something it was like 10 albums that you know he'd want to be buried with or some something like that. And one of them was Abba Gold. Like a, there's no other compilations on that Yeah. List. And obviously there's that yeah.
1: like Alan Partage joke about uh when your man in uh, the travel tavern is like what's your favourite Beatles album he's like oh I have to say the best of the Beatles. Best of the Beatles.
0: And that's a punchline <laughs> but like you can say
1: you could say that with Abba Gold and be like you no, could you didn't. say Abba Legit, Gold is the best it's fine. Abba
0: album. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think Little Things is going to be on it though. That is their Christmas song which is track track tree on the yeah. album. God, it's so sacred. Do you know what rem- it reminds team. me of something like The Sound of Music or something like that with the children's choir and Christmas stockings full of nice yeah. things. You're like, who wants to hear this? Do Nobody people want to hear this? this? I don't no. know. Yeah. <laughs> track three. I know. Like, not even at the end. Like,
3: such a weird decision, like not to have it as a bonus track. Bonus track, absolutely fine. You can just kind of, you can be like, okay, yeah. let's have a Christmas song or whatever. But like, I don't, like, and as well, what's, what's so disappointing about this song is that ABBA, ABBA feel like a band who should be able to write, like, all I want for Christmas is you or, or last Christmas, you know, yeah. to write like one of those big, big songs like last Christmas. That's very sad, but also just like a wonderful, wonderful song that like stands the test of time. And yeah, time you're right. I mean, they I'm have so Happy, Happy, Happy New
1: Year, which is a terrible they song. They
3: have ha- Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Which I sing every year, like, and I don't like it, but it's there and it's fine. But they, they just seem like, like Abba and Christmas seem like they should be, it just seems like it should be a lot better than whatever this is. This barely feels like a Christmas song. It feels more like they were trying to write a hymn and that didn't work out. But I don't know. Yeah, not, this This is not it. Like, definitely not. This actually sounds like the kind of song
1: this. that Alan Partridge would have asked Abba to play in his Christmas specials, yeah. you know, like that's what it is. It's the yeah. the saccharine level of it, you know. Obviously, uh, Partridge used Abba all the time as uh, shorthand for things and knowing me, knowing you, and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, this feels like calling him. his son Fernando. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, and then it's immediately redeemed by one of the best songs on the album, which is "Don't Shut Me Down." And like, thank
3: God, it, don't. It's shut me got down, that Abba
1: relationship drama at its core. You frame. know, and it's even got like, it's a bit like the way, uh, the day, uh, the day I caught the train, on um, mm. from, um, the visitors is a uh, kind of very evocative in terms of what it's talking about. Like, it's kind of like taking you, placing you in a character with a character on a train or, or like what they're doing, reading the newspaper mm. where this is like, like sh- I, a while ago I heard the sound of children's laughter and now it's quiet so I guess they left the park sitting on a wooden bench basically the wooden bench is getting harder by the hour, the sun is going down it's getting dark, I realise I'm cold mm. and it's something she has to do And yeah. Um, so yeah I mean and what, what she has to do is go and confront and uh, talk to her partner or ex-partner, I'm not quite clear exactly but it's such a banger that song let's play it's a bit of a Don't Let Me Down Don't Shut Me Down
2: I to Time at last to let him know
1: Now that is a banger, that is an absolute banger that That's song, banger. that is a great track um, And it has the drama in there As well, and I think it has all of the has Classic great pre-chorus, which is Yeah, all the pre-chorus like, is, is Such a is hallmark so of
3: ABBA, ABBA music Great pre-chorus Yeah, It's just, yeah, it's lovely And it starts off with this kind of slow Thing, and then like When it kicks in For the, maybe like the second or third verse Or whatever, it has this almost like reggae beat under it and you're like okay interesting it's kind of reggae time signature under it and then yeah great chorus just yeah and and it goes places it's quite a dynamic song like it really builds um and it's just such a banger like yeah it's great but also like like the, the word banger is funny because like I, I, I don't know if like if you call Dancing Queen a banger, like it is a banger, but it's, it's a very modern word for this, yeah. but it's not a modern song at all. You know, no. it's, it's, it, it's modern in their lives because it's kind of a bit more considerate of, you know, I'm, I, I love, she says I'm hot. Don't shut me down. I'm like, yes. yeah, <laughs> love that you're just telling people you're hot. Love this for you. <laughs>
1: um,
3: yeah, don't shut me down. It's fantastic. It's really good. I can't say a bad word about it, honestly.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the songs I, I, I would expect to hear at the Abba Voyage next year for sure. For um, sure.
3: And then, they and then
1: there's immediately afterwards there's uh, just a notion, which is basically great a song. song that was originally recorded in 1978 for Voulez-vous and was yeah. left off um, for reasons. I think you can hear that about. in
3: it, right? I think this yeah. is the only song on the album that kind of sounds like old Abba. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a classic
1: ABBA power piano pop kind of song. And mm-hmm. uh, and they were asked, actually, Bjorn was asked, uh, why did we decide against putting it on the album? In hindsight, I don't have a clue. It's a mystery. Um, so for the album, they actually recorded a new backing track, uh, which they added drums and guitars. But all the vocals are from the original 1978 track. So that's why, mm. why it has that magic there. It has that classic energy there in it. So um, they really don't know why and it does and he does go and say it actually demonstrates what we plan to do with ABBA Voyage in 2022 there we will have a live band playing but all vocals will be from the old recording so that's interesting mm. so we re- don't seem to be re-recording the vocals um, for the show so that's interesting. A Bit like when Kate Bush did her sh- her her shows in London, and she did a re-recorded version of Running Up That Hill, which was in a different key because she couldn't sing it uh, in the original key anymore. And so there's mm. two versions. Cute of
3: us can of that song. Know, yeah, but there's ways. there's two versions
1: of that song now. Uh, one which is like the the original, and one is like the thirty years later older version.
3: You yeah,
1: know? and her voice changes like it, like Joni really Mitchell,
3: um, with her album Oh uh, Both Sides. Now there's a There's an old recording of Both Sides Now, which is her probably like, if not an octave above, but like a lot, like singing a lot higher. And then, but she, she really reframed that on the Both Sides Now album by coming in and, oh, we we should do a Joni special soon, actually. Um, But coming in with this much, much deeper voice, like Joni Mitchell in her later career sounds completely different to early career Joni. And with the orchestra and just... It, it really lended like it's such growth to that to that song and, the, and the, the re-recording. So I think that's the only way that it could really work. Like, I yeah. don't know if I'd want to hear re-recorded current vocals of like Dancing Queen or S.O.S. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Fernando or someone. I mean, those, especially like, with
1: the voices slower. that they have, that was the ma- that is the magic of this, the the mm. synergy of 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 those voices together. Yeah, and they're and so that's ubiquitous what makes it,
3: with just like a pop sound, you know. Like yeah, yeah. It, but I, I mean, to be fair though, I, I think they sound pretty good. Um, elsewhere, I can be that woman. Tell me about I can be that woman. Um, yeah, uh, I mean,
1: that's just what I re- What I read about it is basically, you know, it seems to be the woman is is an addict apparently according to bjorn Mm. and you know i guess i guess it's weird because the lyrics are very labored um because the way that they talk about like the dog on on your lap and all this kind of stuff and you're like what's going on here like this dog is getting its own like song (laughs) yeah we're getting its own narrative in this song about a woman who's like admitting that she's uh you know done some bad stuff and it's just mm-hmm. weird like he was like, it's hey, like that's the entire like thing is comes through, you know oh she jumps she jumps down and her tail is swishing uh and uh you know i and then we wake up and you're bleary eyed and i say i'm sorry i can see that you cried you know it's just like
3: i feel the, like that's a good premise for a short story maybe not yeah. a song
1: <laughs> yeah And like, then you curse and kick a chair and the dog, bless her heart, licks my fingers and she jerks every time you swear. It's like, what are we doing here? It's a very strange song. It doesn't really make sense to me at all, (laughs) to be honest.
3: Well, Um, thankfully, again, rescued by the next song, which is besides Don't Shut Me Down I think my favourite on the album um, it's called Keep an Eye on Dan oh I'm so um, glad
1: you said that because uh, this is one of my favourites too and I really love too. it I think yeah. this is a classic Divorce core song yeah um, love it it. So like, take a listen to it okay this is Keep an Eye on Dan from
2: Alice yeah. My little boy looks so happy, he throws me his gold mommy kiss And he loves He's dead And I love
1: Yeah, I, I love that song it's like uh, it kind it. of reminds me of an Italo adjacent banger to be honest and mm-hmm. it, I think it's probably the best production on the album and it's got that lovely like kind of siren Definitely. synth that gives it uh, that uh, kind of buzz to it uh, it actually reminds me of uh, one of Frida's own songs um, from 1982 a bit like I've been accused before of playing this and being like oh god would you not just play an Apple song and I'm like no, this is great. Like, it's a great, like, solo song from Frida. It's called I Know There's Something Going On. Um, I, I'm going to play it now, actually. So that song has more of a guitar 80s energy, but I, d- I do think the song have a, has that. Keep an eye on Dan has a bit of that 80s energy as well. and that's what I, I really think like that
3: comparison it. is so spot on. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that. I didn't know that Frida song. Um,
1: it's great. It's great. It's I don't know where good, I found yeah. it, actually. I yeah, think I think, maybe, think it's,
3: keep, keep an eye on Dan is maybe just missing that like electric, but I think it would have sounded weird if it had that level of kind of electric guitars in it. But um, yeah, it's this kind of like dark, really heavy hitting divorce core song you know it's it's about like a a child being between two parents during a divorce like I like he the, the kid like I know he loves his dad maybe I still do and it's just so good and but I think as well this is one that I can see it's like a hair metal song or something do you know what <laughs> I mean I can see the crowd crowd going wild for this um, and it does it has that darkness it has that sadness but just what a bop what a banger and I, yeah. I fully agree that this is probably the best produced track on the album definitely yeah yeah
1: it just has it has the most natural feeling like um I don't know. It has a coolness to it. I think Mm. this one that is maybe present in some of the other ones, and it also has that nod to SOS at the end with the resolve, which is so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, which is just a really lovely touch because it's not like overplayed, but it's like, oh yeah, that's nice. You know. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I think this is the one. I'm like, yeah, this is this is the one I I keep coming back to. to. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, Bumblebee's the next track let's skip over that because we've already talked about <laughs> yeah, it yeah
1: <laughs> no and I think and like you're talking about the last two songs they're fine the last two songs fine. are fine um, like Ode to Freedom the last song is exactly what you're talking about when you said you know they don't write ABBA don't write songs about uh, big topics that you know are, they can't succinctly write about them and this is basically Bjorn trying to write a song about freedom and just kind of imagining what freedom is, is about yeah. it's it, shite Um, it's fine like
3: kind of like his lyrics are quite clunky you know i think yeah especially when it's these like big reaching kind of topics i just find yeah i find this a lot less interesting than when i hear the songs from the women's perspectives um yeah Yeah. definitely i'm not actually sure who who wrote what on this album though um haven't actually yeah I mean he seems
1: Bjorn seems to have um been the one talking about it anyway so far so I'm not really sure what the um what it actually says in the um credits for it but um Mm. yeah I mean I think it's like it says written by Bjorn and Benny um um so I guess it's the same as it maybe always was mm. um so the lyrics are by them mostly mm. um and yeah and then there's like track nine no doubt about it i mean it's a kind of a classic abba vibe really isn't it it's like it's, it's like yeah it's kind of a standard uh, about patience in a relationship which is you know um it's all really ABBA as well yeah. Yeah, so it's fine. fine i think like if, if if you take that right from afterwards i know so Jen Gannon, who was a previous guest of this show on Friday when the album was released, um, tweeted out, I'm happy people are happy to the new Abba, Abba album, but is the musical equivalent of this meeting could have been an email? It should have been an EP, is how she says. I think, you know, there is an argument there. I think if you take track one, track two, uh, track four, track five, um, and keep an eye on Dan, that's one, two, three, four." five songs I would really take away from yeah. this album and then but to be honest that's not a bad um you know I mean that's not a bad result really you know I don't half, think it is especially good. with the context and, of what we're coming from
3: and some of the songs that we're leaving out there are fine you know they're just they're not good they're not the good songs on the album they're not the best songs on the album but I I, I thought that was a really good point that Jen made actually um I think it could have been an EP or a five or six song album if they wanted to if it, six songs if they wanted to keep the Christmas song on it, God knows why. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's sort of yeah, it it's just very difficult to kind of critically evaluate um this new ab album. Um I have some some stuff that critics have been saying, which I find quite interesting.
1: Yeah, um, I'd love to hear it, and I'm sure so, our listeners would too.
3: Yeah. Um so just a little rundown of how it's been received. Um, Louise Bruton, the Irish Times, five stars. Helen Brown, in the Independent, five stars. Kieran McCadey in the line of best fit, six out of 10. Rob Sheffield in the Rolling Stone, four stars. Kitty Empire in the Observer, three stars. Noah McCormick in the Telegraph, three stars. Nick Levine in the Enemy, three stars. And Jude Rogers, again in the Guardian, two stars. So, there was a bit of, I suppose, in, not infighting in The Guardian, but um, there was two, there was uh, The Guardian Review, The Observer Review, and then a letter that they published. So in the, oh, in Jude Rogers' um, review, which was two stars, which was, I believe, the first review to be- Was that the one out, that was
1: cu- said, no, thank you for the music?
3: No, thank you for the music, which is an excellent title for it. Um, Rogers says- Rather than reflecting poignantly on the past, most of the rest of Voyage feels terminally stuck there, uh, the rest being not the two first singles. When You Dance With Me tells the story of a girl left behind in Kilkenny when a boy she loved left for the city. She spent years waiting for him to return, we're told. Presumably, she's oblivious to the existence in Ireland of train routes, driving tests, and text messages. The Celtic-leaning melody in the intro recalls Abba's incursions into other global settings, such as the Mexican battlefields in Fernando. For the Spanish Peruvian musical mood boards of Chiquitita. The overall effect doesn't prompt folkloric nostalgia, but mild nausea, which I thought was a very interesting reading um, of um, When You Dance With Me. It's not one that I disagree with, but I think my kind of emotional side just takes over when I listen to that song. And I just, like I said, I just think it's gas. Um, Following, oh, then we'll go Kitty Empire, right? Which was uh, in her Observer Artist of the Week, which I think is published on the Sunday then. So that other one was published on the Friday. So, Kitty says, "Let's take voyage as unexpected evidence that hope is not a fool's game." It helps to ignore the album's cheesier shortcomings, the John Lewis ad gone supernova that is "Little Things" with its simpering talk of stocking fillers, or the Celtic pop of "When You Dance with Me," or the well-intentioned but misfiring environmental ballad "Bumblebee," and cut straight to the bleeding heart of Abba's best craft. On breakup songs such as "The Winner Takes It All" or "Knowing Me, Knowing You," at least before Alan Partridge hijacked it, the boys had always put the words in the mouth of the girls to sing. By and large, despite this imbalance of power, the feelings conveyed in ABBA songs have been believable, sensitive even. Here, Don't Shut Me Down, the better song of the pair of singles released in September, finds ABBA telling the story of their return. I've been reloaded. While the song's flawed central character begs eloquently for a second chance at love, another fully realized vignette, I Can Be That Woman, comes from a similar place. Um, so I think that that's a... That, That's a good um, reading of that. And then after that, a letter was published from Neil Barber um, and a short extract of that um, is in response to Jude Rogers, who gave the two stars. Jude Rogers is a little harsh in her review of ABBA's new album, Voyage. No, thank you for the music, 5th of November. Musically, the songs are as skillful as ever. Beautiful harmonies that build each song to their big hook choruses. But Rogers' criticisms focus on lyrics. Bjorn has always worked to turn the prosaic into epiphany and this collection is no exception, though it now deals with co-parenting, recovered love and subjects you might expect from an older lyricist. So I thought that that e- even within The Guardian, that sort of infighting and the, this idea that people are not reviewing the album correctly is very interesting because I we don't really we don't get that as much in the kind of like broader music press like you might get it on, on you know drown and sound forums or or on pitchfork comments or or whatever it is you know we've seen we've seen stands kind of um become very frustrated with how it is that reviewers are approaching the albums that they're reviewing and I think that the best reviewers know that when you're reviewing an album, you're not just reviewing the music. Um, And I think the best reviews I've read now, I by no means think that this is a five-star album at all. However, I, I did really like Louise Bruton's review in the Irish Times. I think that she hit on... um. Everything that I like about the album, for me, if it, we, we don't do star ratings on on, on this podcast uh, for myriad reasons, um, mostly because they're unhelpful. But for me, I think three is a probably is probably a very fair assessment of what. This yeah, is, there's like, some good stuff. As, there's some
1: bad stuff. There's some yeah. stuff you could take with you. There's some stuff you would not totally. never want to hear again. I think that's a and that's fair summation. It's, it's not an absolute failure in terms of a a collection of not. songs from no. ABBA or otherwise. You know, it's it's got it's got something to it that you makes you want to come back to it as well.
2: Yeah, and it's and it's
1: fascinating in, in that way. And it's fascinating because it's ABBA. Maybe it's fascinating because the songcraft is so good, and they mm. and they still have they haven't lost that. And um, there, is, these are still really well written songs, as you said. Um, mm. You know, yeah, I think still I there. think the
3: questions have to shift when you're talking about a band like Abba, and there really is no other band like Abba. Um, the questions have to shift from "Is Voyage a good album?" to maybe "Is it a good Abba album?" What What is a good Abba album? Is Is a good album and a good Abba album are they the same thing? Um, is a good Abba album an album that has you know three, four, or five hit songs on it? They've
1: yeah, what they've defines, produced plenty yeah. of
3: those. You know, they've they've produced um, eight, eight before this, um, and they've had two hits off this so far as well. So, yeah, it's funny. It's 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 a funny one to to approach this. I was really happy that I wasn't reviewing it anywhere because I I would have really struggled to find my way in to kind of talk about this critically because like like I said earlier, like I've I've never lived in the world where Abba didn't exist. And that's true of many other bands like the Beatles or, you know, less so of Michael Jackson, because he, he kept kind of releasing music after like while I was still alive, while while I was alive rather, while he was still alive Um, (laughs) in that short period of time. Um, And yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I still come back to this idea of they don't owe us anything. They, they've already made their legacy um and this album isn't going to affect it at all there's there's going to be absolutely no cultural conversation at any point in the future where people are talking about the cultural impact of abba and voyage is honestly even mentioned as as an album the the, the gigs and everything next year um will certainly kind of play into what what it is to do a big return when you're a massive massive act but i don't think that voyage the album is going to is going to you know, be involved in those conversations at all, and that's why I'm. That's why I'm very accepting of it for what it is. It's just. Does it feel
1: like a prologue instead of a, or sorry, an epilogue instead of a?
3: Yeah. Like
1: you know, it's it's instead just, of a
3: statement.
1: Yeah, it's like if you yeah. were if you were watching the documentary of Abba, which there is a great one at uh, the BBC one. um if you're watching it, it would be the Coda, the bit at the end. It's just like, yeah. and ABBA went on to tour, um, ABBA Voyage, and for yeah. a year, uh, you know, and you're like, yeah, grand. Cool. And you're
3: like, good, good <laughs> for them. Yeah, I think a, a Coda is a very good way of wording that. Um, and I mean, that's not to say that I don't hope that there's going to be more ABBA releases in the future. I doubt there will be. Um, I think that this is probably going to be it. This is going to be their grand farewell. This is, this is their victory lap, you know, and we can't really critically evaluate it in the same way that we would evaluate a band's like second or third album while they're at the height of their fame and songwriting and creative like time in their career so yeah it's it's a funny one. And I think it's something that we're going to be getting to grips with more and more, the older we get and the more of our favorite artists become legacies, you know, like you can imagine us on our hologram podcast in our, (laughs) in our seventies talking about whether like the new Fontaine's DC, (laughs) like fucking gig on Mars is, (laughs) should be considered part of their canon or whatever. But, you know, it's just, yeah, I just don't think that you can come at this album in the same way that you come at other albums. And I think yeah. that that's the most interesting part about it, you know?
1: I like you I like what you say, the victory lap. I think mm. that is kind of feels like that. You know, it's kind of a nice it's a nice thing that a band like this are coming back after forty years and doing this, you yeah. know? And, and not, it's doing not it for like the
3: reviews, they're doing it for the fans. And yeah. we're fans and we like it. So <laughs> you know, like what and it's
1: like Remember, after Random Access Memories came out, and Daft Punk, um, you know, had had Giorgio Moroder, and, and Moroder came became this, you know, kind of uh, celebrated figure again, and mm. and proceeded then to basically rework and get remixes of all of his back catalog, so much so that every time Release Radar came out on Friday on Spotify. For years afterwards, there was literally a Giorgio Moroder, like, remix from some other artist, And I was like, oh, God, would you stop releasing? Go away. Fucking remixes. Like, and then he tried to do DJ sets and stuff like that. He's like, he didn't need to do that because, you know, I mean, I think, I think, and that's where maybe the ABBA, the shrewdness of ABBA is, is here and apparent. They're not going to be on that stage for ABBA Voyage. They're, they're going to let their best versions of themselves be represented Mm on stage their best voices their best looks maybe i don't know how that's going to work but there is you know they're not trying to get up and you know oh well, we're in their 70s now and we we want to do you know what we used to do when we young they're leaving yeah. that legacy there and they're leaving you know um the their best work um mm. in its own place and even by playing the the vocals next year from the past they're not messing with that either. It's, this isn't a, a George Lucas situation where he's going back and fixing the albums or anything yeah. like that. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, it's a nice thing you get. And uh, but it, yeah, I, I, think, I,
3: think, I think that that kind of brings up the question of like what wh- what I've called here in my notes for whom do we voyage? Like who who is the album for? And I think if this rollout is anything to go by, it is for the fans. Like this is the return of ABBA, of the ABBA that exists in our memory that is somewhere between the past and, and the presence and it brings into into account like the cultural phenomenon of Mamma Mia for example and like you said the stage show will feature holograms of the band's past selves and I, I don't think that that is for any kind of vanity reasons I think that that is to keep the dream of ABBA alive for everybody who has this really strong memory of them like people like us in our 30s who's Childhood musical understanding was shaped by the presence of Abba Gold in the CD collection in the corner of the room, but also like for people of our parents' age or older who are kind of similar ages to Abba now and have yet more cause for leaning into these memories, given that they were there, you know, the first time around. So it's this it's this idea of escapism and using this kind of technology to put yourself in into the past if you were there the first time, but also if you weren't there the first time, this is a chance to get to see ABBA live. But and, it's the you know, ABBA that you know. It's the ABBA that you see in music videos, the ABBA that we saw uh, at the Eurovision, you know?
1: Yeah. And the other thing we're mentioned there is that, you know, ABBA were one of the the main drivers of the tribute band industry. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. ABBA-esque and, and Bjorn again and all those bands. And you know, I've never
3: seen is... an ABBA tribute band. And it's, yeah, like but on, it's on my list yeah. of things I want to do in life.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is essentially what they're doing. They're doing their mm. own sanctioned version of it um, with the original vocals. So it's not somebody, I don't know, tribute bands freak me out a little bit sometimes. They're a bit like trying too hard um, to oh, I look think like somebody else part.
3: when when they when they work well, yeah.
1: I've I just never been like, invested or wanted to be invested in it. <laughs>
3: yeah, I think I saw a Fleetwood Mac tribute band completely by accident. I was just in a pub, and all of a sudden, I was at a Fleetwood Mac tribute night, and I think they were called McFleetwood. Fleetwood. Um, and they were really good. Like, and they were all you know, kind of in their yeah. like forties and fifties, and just having a good time singing. Don't stop, but like it was, just, yeah. They're just kind of fun, and I think that that's kind of that is what this is. It's a, it's a tribute, um, for the fans and for them, and an opportunity. Like I said, for people our age to get to see the Abba that, like, like if if I could see any like any performance live, it would be Waterloo at the Eurovision. You know what I mean? Like that it was such a landmark moment, and with this Voyage thing, it's like you kind of get the opportunity to do that, to at least pretend that you're seeing the ABBA that exists in your memory Live, I think that's such a lovely thing. It's, it's so much less strange. I mean, we'll see how it, how it plays out on the night or whatever, but I think it, it it doesn't have that kind of uncanny Valley thing that having a hologram of like a dead artist does, which really gives me the ache. Um, Like they're there and I think they're very self-aware of what it is that they're trying to do with Voyage. So yeah, I, I do hope they come out at the very end, like in their human form and take a bow. I, like, yeah,
1: maybe maybe at the first show anyway, but like maybe, they won't yeah, be doing yeah. it for eight, for nine months. Um, no. Well, I'd like to play you a track now, which is just a, a nice thing. Um, it's just the vocals from was Super Trooper I thought it would be nice to hear this Oh yes
2: this. please Last night from Glasgow All I do is sit and sleep and sing Wishing every show was the, the last, show, last, show. Was the so last show. show So imagine I was glad tea, to hear you coming. coming Suddenly I feel alright And suddenly it's gonna and be And it's gonna be so, so different when I'm on the stage Tonight 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 the Super Trooper lights are gonna find me Shining like the sun Smiling, having fun Feeling like a number one Tonight the Super Trooper beams are gonna blind me But I won't feel blue Like I always do somewhere in the crowd there's
1: you. All those versions on YouTube, those are those kind of, uh, you know, isolated vocals and all that kind of stuff. Oh,
3: I, I love all that. Yeah. Like when you hear the, is it the Freddie Mercury one from... I'm not like a big queen person or whatever, but I'm a sucker for like any isolated Freddie Mercury vocals. I'm like, yeah, yes, yeah, please. Yeah, Those Grace ones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Super Trooper is a masterclass in vocal harmony. Like it is. Yeah,
1: and it, it's the counterpoint and, and you know, the It's the wonderful. the two. It's, it's so like lovely. needlessly
3: complicated. And I love that about them. It's so extra. Like they didn't need to do that at all. They could have taken like, seven of those voices out and still had a hip hop song, you know, but, but as well, you know, on, on Chikatita and Fernando, like they've always been great with the harmonies. And I do think that the two, the two women sound fantastic on this Album. So, one of the reviews I was reading noted that they actually sound more similar to each other now than they ever have, which I thought was really interesting. It Might be just how how women's voices change and get a little bit deeper as uh, as they get older. They might sound and also a something more we didn't mention
1: actually is that the the Swedish is accent is much more present uh, on these songs um with the with their current accents and their you know older accents so that's interesting as well
3: yeah Um,
1: yeah great have
3: we have we done have we voyaged successfully i think
1: we have successfully voyaged yes (laughs) it was great this week i have to say i got to listen to a lot of alba and Mm. that was a lot of fun and uh it was nice to go back and listen to the albums again, and uh,
3: yeah,
0: I really
1: I,
3: enjoyed re-listening to The Visitors. Actually, I think that was the album. It's a great album. When I was yeah, going through really the albums, so that was the one I really wanted to come back to. Um, and then just turn on Abba Gold. Um, I've hinted heavily that I want it for from Santa, so um, because I don't actually own it, I don't own the. It's one LP of those of things, Gold, yeah. You're like, so you like, it's. I think you have to have it in the house. Like. Yeah,
1: it's like you might either have it from somebody else who had it who bought it before you or Mm. you just don't have it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's often the case. So yeah, a great one to have. Absolutely. You you either
3: have it or you don't have it yet. (laughs) And you've been meaning to get it. Yeah. Great.
1: Okay. Well, that's it from us this week, I think. Um, That's a good hour and a bit about ABBA. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to join us uh, with the support and the playlists and uh, receiving the playlists and getting... Access to the Discord community. We had a lovely night last night. Loads of us were there to see self-esteem. I don't, I
3: don't want to hear about it. Thank
1: and you. and Andrea doesn't want to hear about it. And that's fine because no. she wasn't there. Um, but it was lovely. It was <laughs> lovely, same. Awesome. But no, lovely Discord chat. I so, did manage uh, to
3: sell my ticket to, um, uh my, my ticket, and my friend's ticket went to two lovely gals who just wanted a, a good life-affirming night out. And as far well, as I know, they got it. So they absolutely got that. it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also, well done to the workmen's because self-esteem had been um, on her socials talking about how um, dressing rooms in like smaller venue gigs just are not do not cater to women at all. And like a lot of times you have to get like get changed in the bathrooms or like you're getting changed in this like cold storage area. There's no mirrors. And um, she put up a video of the Workman's dressing room and it was absolutely gorgeous, clean, beautiful. There was like a bunch of flowers there for her. <laughs> there was like a couple of bottles of champagne and she put up the video just being like, oh my God, it's beautiful. And I had never been prouder to be Irish. <laughs> so well done to everyone at the Workman's. Good job, Vinny.
1: Yeah, the, they've done it up recently, I think. Out. So yeah. fair I play.
3: chuffed about that now, <laughs> I have to say. Um... But yeah, well done, self-esteem. That's great. Be my friend, please. Um, yeah, so that's the Patreon. And yeah, join us on the on the Discord. And otherwise, we'll be back next week.
1: Yeah, yeah well you soon, will. Niall. Um, I want to play a bit of uh, another album song to play us out is If It Wasn't For The Nights, which is one of the favorite ones I've been listening to this week. One of the okay. Vulebu album tracks. So I just thought it'd be nice to finish on that. All right, Hi, Andrea, everyone. thanks so much. Hopefully I won't have a cough next week.
3: Hopefully I won't have a leaf blower
1: you okay bye bye